joining us for another amazing podcast with Bearskin with Celeste. I'm Celeste Hilling and I'm really excited for our guest today. I guess I wonder if I'm never excited because we always have such amazing women and men on our podcast but in particular I know we've been lately really exploring the idea of self-discovery, self-development, empowerment and I think what we'll talk about today and the person we're interviewing today really represents all of those things but more importantly in the theme that we always have with Bear Skim Celeste, I think really making sure we're t- tapping those resources that all of us can reach out to to help further our own development because it takes a village. <laughs> and so our guest today, Gabby Millian, is someone who definitely has dedicated this aspect of her life to really helping other people focus on how they can really pivot and really realize the full opportunity in their life and self-discovery. So we're going to find out more about that today. But to give you a little background on Gabby, so she really started her career at ABC7 in Los Angeles and was really in front of the camera, um, really driving a lot of interest, but always in that idea of telling stories and storytelling and really being able to bring everyone who viewed closer to what the pulse beat was that was going on in their community But even as successful as she was there, she kind of felt like something was missing, that there was a lot more of her, a lot more of her to give. And like all of us, I think I love that she had the fearlessness to sort of pursue that and find what was really her focus and passion in life. So the self-development space has been a big place for her to really realize her full potential, but more importantly, apply a lot of skill that she had naturally and others that she's developed along the way. So one of the things that I really find particularly interesting is really the ability for she to use to tap in with her media guest into life coaching, hypnotherapy, and dream interpretation to really be able to help people unlock not only their full petition potential, but also perhaps things that are holding them back. So one of the things that we've was amazing to me was that Gabby has coached and interpreted over a hundred people's dreams. And I don't know about you guys, but I am always so curious about what do my dreams really mean? What are they telling me? And I'm so excited to meet Gabby because I always wished I had someone who could help me tap in to what that means. So I'm super excited to really learn what guides her in her way to really better understand the community that she's created with the Life Pivot. And more importantly, just to hear another amazing woman talk about her journey. So welcome to Bearskin Celeste, Gabby. Thank you so much. That was such an amazing introduction. If I could just have you as my alarm <laughs> clock with that every morning, that would be great. <laughs> well, I have to say I shortened it because there's so much about you. But I also wanted you to really be able to tell a lot of your story in your own words, because that's so powerful to all of us, um, hoping to learn more from each other. So one of the things I'd love to ask you about, I mean, I'd rather just go right at it, is we talked about dream interpretation, you know, and when you think about what led you to even realize that you had an innate sense or potential in this area, and how did you first, I'm always mesmerized, but what, what was the kernel that sort of intrigued you with it, but more importantly, made you realize this is something you were gifted with? 
Sure. Well, I definitely think dream interpretation is a skill that can be built upon. Um, but I have to date it all the way back to when I was a little girl. Um, my grandfather was actually a pastor at a church in Brooklyn, where my family, for the most part, we grew up in the New York City area. And dreams were always fascinating to both him and I. And it was actually pretty much like a practice to share our dreams almost every morning. And I loved it. It was something interesting that him and I connected with. And even though he looked at dreams maybe more from a religious standpoint, you know, with the Bible and, and some of us know the story of Joseph and how he interpreted a lot of dreams. And he eventually became like the dream interpreter for the Pharaoh of Egypt at the time, if, if you're familiar with that story yes. in the Bible. And of course, that was my favorite story growing up um, out of all of the Bible stories. And it was something that I always found to be interesting and pretty much what my grandfather and what I learned from the Bible um, about dreams is that dreams are essentially God's way of speaking to you. And I always thought that was so interesting because what my grandfather taught me was that it, dreams don't speak to you in typical language like we're used to. They usually use symbols um, or different scenarios to maybe highlight certain things that are going on in your life currently. So that was always something that was very fascinating to me. And then fast forward to, I took a psychology class in high school just as an elective for fun. And we finally got to the part where we were talking about dreams and the professor was asking questions, um, you know, who here dreams? And, you know, everybody rose their hand and he asked, okay, now who remembers their dreams? Cause that's something a lot of people have issues with remembering their dreams and, you know, less hands were raised after that. And then he said, okay, who realizes that they're dreaming while they're in a dream? And it was just me and this one other guy in the class. And he goes, and so he asked, and he's like, yeah, sometimes I realize I'm in the dream, but then I, I wake up and I, I, I'm out of the dream then. And then he asked me, he was like, oh, what do you remember when you realize you're in a dream? And I was like, oh, sometimes I realize that, and depending who's there, I might slap them just for fun. Like I start to play with it too. And he was like fascinated by that because this was a skill that he was trying to build. Now, I don't think that I'm special in this sense. I don't think I'm like some dream savant. I just think that I built that muscle more than other people because of the work that I did with my grandfather or just talking about my dreams almost every morning to my family members. So just by talking about your dreams, you're naturally going to remember them a lot more. You're naturally going to get excited about them. Like if you go to bed with the intention of, I really want to remember my dreams and see what my dreams are trying to tell me. And that's great. And then now fast forward to more recently, a couple years ago, I started getting really into psychology and self-development for my own personal self-development. And I just discovered Carl Jung, who was like the guy when it came to dream interpretation um, and studying dreams. And when I read his work, pretty much his definition of the unconscious mind and how the unconscious mind speaks to you was how my grandfather explained how God speaks to you. So it was almost like when I read his stuff, it was completely interchangeable. And I love, especially growing up in a very religious household, I love seeing like when religion or something that might seem a little woo-woo is actually kind of proven by science or other practices. So that's why I was like, you know what, this is something that's helped me so much when I was going through a rut. I look at dream interpretation as a great tool to have in your toolkit 
as far as self-healing and bettering yourself. Is it going to cure all of your woes? No, but I think that dream interpretation will highlight things that you need to work on that maybe you are kind of pushing aside, which is why I decided to put it in my work with my clients. But when you think about that, how let's talk about how that affected you on your own journey, you know, as you sort of morphed, what did dream interpretation do to help you more have a more crystal visual of where you wanted to go? Or did it help you in that way? Sure. Well, I definitely think it was a tool that I kind of forgot about in college and after pursuing my my profession and the beginnings of my career. Um, but then as someone who was super ambitious and trying out different self-improvement modalities to better myself, better my career, better my health, better my relationships, even some of the mo- more personal things, um, I kind of I kind of didn't start using dream interpretation again until I'd say mentally, I kind of hit a rock bottom where I felt like all of these other modalities weren't really working for me or they weren't unlocking some of the issues or I wasn't getting specific. I was like, okay, I feel like I'm in a rut, but why? And once I was able to tap into my dreams more and I decided to, you know what, I have some time off. I moved back to the East Coast after finishing my contract with Channel 7 in LA and I took two months off. And just to kind of figure out what am I doing? Like, what, what am I doing next? I was blessed enough to be able to take that time, but it was difficult for me because I really put a lot of my value and identity into being a TV reporter because that was the dream. That was my dream job. Like since I was a little girl that I had kind of gotten away from a little bit, but then eventually got back to where I wanted to be. And I had an amazing time as a TV reporter. I will never knock my time there, but I didn't have the quality of life that I wanted. And that's not my job's fault. That was probably just how I was handling it, um, which was something that I realized I needed to pause and work on. And that's what I did. Well, and I also think it's funny, isn't it? How our expectations or our anticipation of what things might be can be so different than the reality once we get into it, right? But one thing really struck me in what you were just sharing, and that was the idea of specificity. You know, that idea of, I one of my best mentors, I remember he said, you know, maturity comes with, in anything, whether that's success, your own self-realization, he said, you know, when you move from being able to verbalize what you don't want and being able to be very clear about what you do want, And he said, that's when everything unlocks. And it sort of sounds like something similar to what you were sharing. And what do you think it is when, because whether it's dream interpretation or or many of the other tools that you help your clients, you know, utilize, what is it about being specific? What is it about clarifying what you want that helps you move into that next step? Sure. So, I believe just by being specific, you're already helping your brain so much. I think that our brain is actually always trying to work in our favor. And part of the survival mechanism is to try to stay away from danger. So like you said, a lot of times people focus on things that they don't want. And then once they're able to transition and and that's more of a survival thing. So (laughs) it's more of like, hey, I really don't want to get into a car accident, you know, God forbid, or I really don't want to um, get laid off from my job, whatever it might be. But if you focus on that so much, your brain is going to make that story true. 
somehow. Like if I told everybody right now, don't think about an elephant. Like everyone probably just saw an elephant really quickly in their head because your brain actually can't really decipher the negative or a no. So if instead of confusing your brain with, I don't want this, I don't want that, and then finally realizing, wait, I do want this, I do want that, your brain is going to try to figure out ways to make it happen even in your sleep, even in your dreams, even in your subconscious. So that's why it's so important, like you said, to be specific on what you do want rather than what you don't. But I love the idea of, you know, you were talking about with your granddad, you were sharing that, you know, he would talk about dreams, but in relationship to his religion or his, his, the Bible and what happened there. But then you saw the parallels of, you know, looking at someone scientifically evaluating it. I think it's the same thing when you think about, we hear all these words, like you are what you manifest, you know, you are what you put out into the world and what comes back. And I think that's, you know, all comes back to what you're saying, which is sort of your brain sort of needs that focus in order to be able to realize the opportunity. And I think that's amazing, especially in a world where we can get so distracted. I don't know about you, but it's so easy to get off the mark. So when you look at what you've done as a public speaker, when you look at all the great opportunities you've been presented, how does everything that you've learned along the way really empower you for what you're doing next? How have you used each of those aspects of your journey to propel you forward? Sure. Well, I definitely think that I was extremely blessed to have the profession that I did before for multiple reasons. I do think it helped me become a better communicator. I do think it helped me become a, a better storyteller, which is something that I do even with my clients now, whether it's with my media production company, sharing their brands, or at the Life Pivot, if it just comes to having people rewrite their own stories. There's a lot of stories we tell ourselves um, that sometimes we don't realize we're telling ourselves that until we kind of start doing some of that work. So I believe the opportunities I had helped me become very adaptable, helped me become very quick on my feet, uh, helped me become less of a perfectionist in certain ways. Um, I do think I struggle with some of those perfectionism uh, type issues, but when I was a TV reporter covering breaking news, like a wildfire in Southern California, that was something that was very new to me. Someone who grew up in the New York area who yeah. I had never even seen a small building in front of me actively on fire and going from that to seeing neighborhoods and mountain ranges on fire was just like such a total shock. And, oh, it's 8 a.m. and I have to have a story that nobody assigned me yet in by 5 p.m. for the five o'clock show. Like, okay, let's get it moving. <laughs> and I think a lot of times people, I think people are always shocked that I had to oftentimes just go up to people, random people that I didn't know or call people the day of like, hey, can you meet in an hour and talk to Channel 7 about your issues? You know, like, yeah. because a lot of times I was talking to people, sometimes I was lucky enough to talk to people on the best days of their lives. But in relation to a wildfire, sometimes it was the worst day of their lives. Sometimes they just lost their home. I've had to talk to mothers that just lost their children. You know, like that's really, really tough. And it's a very sensitive subject. 
And I had to learn how to navigate those sensitive topics while still being able to get this person to be comfortable telling their story on camera and then still editing the story so that it was ready by five o'clock that day. And that, that skill makes you cut out everything that's unimportant because you have no time. You have no time to think about, oh, wait, I think I want a prettier shot. Let me go to the other side of town because the mountains are pretty over there. No, right. no we need to find someone now and we need to talk to them now or you're going to lose your job. So right. that was something that I think really kind of forced the issue on me. But I also think when you talk about um, all of that, you know, there's a level of learning to be comfortable with the discomfort that allows you to sometimes be able to thrive. And I love your examples of, you know, you kind of had to go into these situations that could be really uncomfortable, but understanding you had a purpose in that discomfort and kind of seeing pushing through that. So I think, you know, when you think about storytelling and I love the idea, I, I agree with you that I think it's very hard for people to sometimes relate to the fact that they are their own personal brand that each of us is our own brand and what how we present ourselves to the world and th and that idea of you have limited shelf space up here and so it's really important what you put on that shelf and what what you're telling yourself with your own words so how do you help guide someone through especially like in the pivot life you know how do you guide someone through looking at what they can do to move from a place of doubt or maybe filling up that, that shelf with things that express a lack of self-esteem and replacing it with things that can really get to the core of your strengths and what you can bring. Sure, no, most definitely. I think this is something that we oftentimes overcomplicate it because of fear. So not to say that this is something that is easy to figure out or that is, this is not easy work. It can oftentimes be uncomfortable uh, tapping into maybe some of your fears first, um, just to kind of work with that. But usually what I like to start with people is trying to identify what they do want. What are their dreams? And I'll ask them different navigational questions. Like um, I have an exercise called the three motivators. So something I could share with you guys quickly yeah. is it's essentially uh, three questions and I have people try to write five to seven bullet points. You know, it doesn't have to be a beautiful journal entry or anything. That's another thing with all of the exercises that I give, I try to tell people like, take the pressure off. Like, don't feel like you have to do this perfect. <laughs> yeah, this is there just are no us. right or wrong answers. There right? are nothing. Yeah. Like if you write that you, you have a fear of chocolate, then that's okay. We could dive into that. Like if it doesn't make sense to someone else, it doesn't matter because it's your life. So first I start with this exercise called the three motivators and it's three questions. And the first question is if you had a magic wand and could just magically put something in your life, what would it be? And then usually people write down. And then after they write down some of that, those responses, I say, okay, if you had $200 million, which is a good chunk of change, yeah, absolutely. what would you do with that money? So usually that's enough money. For, like, even if you are someone who is considered to be affluent, that's usually still, okay, yeah, no, 200 million, I could do something with that. So what would you do with that money? And people, you know, some stuff comes out, maybe a lot of times different points come out oh, than absolutely. the first one, which is always- you don't have any limitations, right? Exactly. And then the last one is, 
if I had five years to live, only five years left on this earth, what would I do with my time? And usually if some deep stuff hasn't already come out in the other questions that I know for me, when I first did this, I did this exercise about four or five years ago. And I do this every year at the beginning of the year, just to kind of check in on myself. Like, am I, even if I haven't accomplished necessarily one of my dream goals, am I on that path? Because what you'll realize is even if you do this exercise multiple times throughout your lifetime, your dreams might change, but the core values usually don't. So that's also some, a lot of people don't know what their core values are, which is so important when you don't know what your core values are, you're kind of just like navigating this world without a compass. And once you know your core values, it's like, okay, these are my main core values. I always tell people, try to think of like three top core values just to make it simple for them. And if you are going into a situation, whether it's a job opportunity, whether it's a relationship, whether it is uh, future education for something you want to do, and it doesn't align with those core values, you're going to be like, yep, okay, cool. It's not worth my time. And that's okay. And so many people, I think, waste their time doing things that aren't aligned with their core values, that then that's when the self-doubt kind of seeps in because they're like, man, I'm doing this thing that's like supposed to be right, but I don't, it doesn't feel good or it doesn't feel right. Or I feel like I'm in the wrong place. And it's because they don't have that core compass navigate, like helping them navigate through the opportunities that maybe they should or shouldn't do. So that exercise is everybody can use it. It's super simple. It's a great way to kind of just check in on yourself and say, Hey, like, yeah, what do I want? Kind of like we were saying before, like, what is the specifics? And usually when you ask yourself those like existential crisis questions, like, oh my goodness, I only have five years left to live. Like really feel that. Like you only have five years left. What am I going to do with those five years? And what, what would I stop doing because of that? And that's something that's usually really powerful um, when I start working with people. And then from there, we're able to kind of see, oh, okay, this is the dream. Now let's strategize and almost create your own authentic roadmap to get there. And I hope for everybody listening, I think that one key thing about this exercise and knowing your values is not only is it that maybe you're in things or you stop doing things that aren't as rewarding for you, but how many people tell you that they have cycles, you know, that they're, or they recycle. In other words, whether that's relationships, business partnerships, jobs where there tends to be a trend in what happens, but I think when you're when you don't have that compass, it's easy to repeat scenarios over and over without even realizing that that ambiguity is sort of what drives your openness into those things that maybe aren't great fits for you, right? I mean, it's kind of like shopping for something that has specific requirements without a list of like what your look features that you're looking for you know you really it's hard to make your way through the hundreds of thousands of options that are out there right yeah i mean you don't go to the grocery store with a list of things you don't want you go to the grocery store with a list of things you do want so i think that's something that people also need to look at their life that way 
Well, I love the three, you know, questions, the motivational questions. So tell us a little bit more about your therapy coaching in the life pivot and, you know, what does it mean to, to be part of that journey and, you know, where do you help and assist people? Sure. So I think, um, just based off of my journey and my past, I think I pursued certain things or opportunities or held on to even certain relationships in the past to please other people or because, or there were certain times where I didn't really know what I wanted to do. So maybe because my parents or my family members said that this was a good idea or someone else, another mentor that I looked up to at the time said something was a good idea for me to do. I kind of realized, wait, I'm like living my life for other people, or I'm living my life, putting my value in my work only and not everything else that, you know, is so great to experience in this life. And so I kind of looked at the life pivot as I'm the type of person who I see myself, even though, you know, I'm a therapist and coach now, and I I run my media production company part-time still, I probably will have five other careers in this lifetime. I don't see myself dedicating, like I love what I do and I see it being a part of what I do forever, but who knows five years from now, maybe I'll start a potpourri business or a skincare company or a skincare, (laughs) like who knows, you know, and that's, and I think people are interested in that type of lifestyle where they don't have to be married to one career for their entire life. And funny enough, the majority of the people that I've attracted as clients at the Life Pivot, half of them have been Gen Z. So, you know, very young, entering their careers, kind of like, I don't know what to do. Some of them are like, I don't know if I should go to college or not. Like, because I kind of feel like it's a waste right now, especially after the pandemic, that was a big thing. Why am I paying the same amount if I have to do all these classes online and I don't even get to stay in a cool dorm or anything anymore. So, you know, those are types of things that I was helping people navigate through or the other half have been like young moms who have now that they have this new baby or they're pregnant, they're about to prepare, uh, they want to make sure that they don't get lost. And of course, they want to take care of their child and be a good mother or parent in in that way, but they don't want to lose themselves and grow any type of resentment towards their kids because they put so many so much energy and resources into them and not into themselves. So What I want to help people do is just figure out almost, I have two programs. I have the Life Pivot Intensive and the Life Pivot Foundations. And the Life Pivot Foundations, I've really recommended to people who are new to self-development in general. Um, Actually, one of my clients, when I first started talking to her, she didn't even know really what a coach did. You know, she was like, wait, what I've heard of coaches for sports teams. And, you know, I kind of had to explain, well, you know, kind of like with a sports team, you know, at the end of the day, you're the player, you're in the game, but a coach is going to see things maybe that you're not seeing while you're playing and they're going to point it out and they're going to try to work with you so that you can play the game better. And in this sense, the game is life. So I'm trying to help you play at life a little bit better, but we need to first understand what some of your goals and your dreams are because if we can't understand that in the beginning then it almost 
It doesn't give you a good roadmap. It doesn't give me a good roadmap of, okay, what other exercises can I give to you now that I know what you want to do? And now that I know kind of your style, whether you're someone who might need a little bit more tough love or someone who's much better with gentle practices, then that's something that's super helpful and usually comes out in that first session or two of like, okay, this is what I want to do. And then after that, we explore, okay, why haven't, why haven't you done it already? Why hasn't it happened? So that's where we go from there. You know, one of the questions I have is one thing that we hear a lot on the show that I hear a lot in my, you know, when I speak out everywhere, um, universally, I hear a lot about people's anxiety, you know, sort of their, their, their resistance or their lack of confidence to move forward on things. A lot of paralysis, if you know what I mean, in terms of, you know, they have goals, they have dreams, but their fears hold them back. And in some cases, you know, when you look at what you do, how much of what you do is working at this sort of emotional level? And then the other is also working at this very tactical level of, okay, you know, here's your goals, here's your dreams, how do we help you get there? But I also feel that a lot of, a lot of times there's a lot of dialogue that needs to happen at the emotional level for how people are, you know, being, um, in their own minds, what they see as their own limitations. Do you deal with both aspects of that? Yes, no, most, I think the mindset part is usually the first part that we really have to tap into as far as like, what are your fears? Why do you feel anxious? You know, anxiety is really just another, another way to say fear. You know, I think they say there, there are so many emotions and descriptors. And when you really simplify, that's another thing I try to do with people. I try to make things as simple as possible because I think we've overcomplicated so much. So when you look at the spectrum of emotions, pretty much every emotion goes to either love or fear. It, like if you look at the stem or the root of it, it's usually connected to one of those two. So when someone's telling me that they're anxious, I'm like, okay, that's, that's a fear. So what are you afraid of? Why are you? And sometimes those fears, once you finally, it's almost so empowering to actually verbalize it and name it. I think some people are almost afraid to say what their fear is because they feel like they're giving light to it. Yeah. But if you don't, say what it is, or if you're not able to explain it, how are you going to overcome it? So lots of times, once we've identified whatever that fear or anxiety is, we try to see where it came from. Like, okay, what was the first time you ever felt that fear? What was the first time you ever experienced it? Or the first time you ever remember experiencing that fear? Because a lot of times people don't realize how ridiculous some of their fears are yeah. until they talk about Have it. to say it out loud. Yeah. And they say it out loud and then they realize, oh, wait, uh, I've had this fear since I was eight years old because of like, it's a really silly reason. I, I love giving this story just because I think it's funny and it's a funny story that I share with people. But then when I started doing my own self-development work, I was like, oh my goodness, I was holding so much pain from this funny story. So when I was eight years old, I loved, you know, playing outside. I was a big tomboy. I was playing some sports with some, I had a lot of guy cousins that lived in the area. So I used to play sports with them and stuff like two hand touch or kickball, you know, those types of kid games. 
And I was playing a game and this kid, this boy, the another little boy came up to me and was like, ew, you have a mustache. Uh -huh. And I was like, I was mortified. I was like, no, I don't. What are you talking about? <laughs> and I remember I held it in. I wanted to cry that moment. I was eight years old. I was like, oh my God, I but I held it in until I got home. And then when I got home, my grandma was like, oh, how was everything? And I was like, oh. I just started crying. I was like, oh my God, this little, this boy, he told me that I have a mustache and blah, blah, blah. And my grandma started laughing. <laughs> She's like, of course. And I understand why, but I realized that that was the first time that I felt like what I have to say or my feelings can't be taken seriously. And that was the first memory that I had of that. So here's a funny story that I share with people. And it was funny. I remember my grandma afterwards to try to make me feel better. She was like, uh, you can fix Harry, but you can't fix ugly. You'll be fine. You know, exactly. <laughs> she yeah. said something like that to try to make me feel better. And I kind of like laughed it off. And like, I knew she was coming from a good place, even as a kid. Um, but it was something that I was like, oh yeah, like, I didn't realize that that was holding me back in other areas of my life. And that was the first time when I went through, through that practice of when was the first time that I felt that feeling? And I was like, yeah, I think when I was a little kid and that little boy made fun of me for having a mustache and, you know. Yeah, but it changed your thought process about revealing what you what you want to share in case people think it's silly or don't really feel that it's to you. It was super important. To yeah. someone else, it was sort of, oh, it's way too much weight for that, you know? Yeah. But I think one of the things that I'd love to do, too, is just say, you know, how can someone just help keep themselves in an ultimate mindset every day? Sure. I think a huge part is putting yourself in a good physical state. That's definitely something, even at the Life Pivot, when I first started, like the Instagram account, because even though I was working on the Life it for a long time. I focused this month, the month of February, I'm focusing on wealth. Um, but the month of December and January, I focused on health because I didn't realize, yes, I was able to do all of these great things, but my quality of life wasn't great. I was stressed. I didn't feel physically optimal. And if you don't feel physically well, you're not going to emotionally feel as good as you could. That's not to say that even if you're in prime physical health, that you can't have emotional or mental problems, but you're already putting yourself, giving yourself an advantage just by putting yourself in a good physical state. So, I mean, there are times where I'm down and I will literally jump up and down, dance, like put on like really just to kind of like change my physical state because I'm like, no, I, I can't be in this rut all day. I've got too much to do. I've got too many people counting on me. And that could seem like a lot of pressure, but when you kind of like dance it out or you keep yourself in a good physical state, the way you start your mornings every day is so, so important. I think that's something that's already going to give you an advantage. I became a nicer person when I became healthier. I mean, there's so many benefits to being healthy. It's so true. But I would say to start with that for sure. And then always practicing gratitude in any way that you can. Journaling has been something that has been super helpful for me, not just my dream journals that I've done for dream interpretation work, but even just writing down a few things that I'm grateful for every morning or every night, especially on those days where you don't feel like doing it, because I feel like those are the days where you need it the most. Mm 
And after doing it, you can kind of look at those things that you're grateful for. And you're like, yeah, you know what? My life isn't that bad. Yeah, I was stressed about maybe X, Y, Z a little earlier. Maybe, you know, other things were kind of controlling my mindset. But I've actually got some really cool things that I'm working on. Or, you know, I'm really lucky that I have a great support system right now, even though I'm going through a hard time. And always practicing that gratitude, I think, is always going to keep you in an optimal state. I completely agree. And one other thing, when you mentioned journaling, we get a lot of people who talk about, well, I don't have the time, or I'm not a good writer, or I'm not good at putting my thoughts into words. And I have a friend who was one of those people, and I love her resilience in that she started just using voice memo, and she would just talk in and you know, basically speak her journaling every day. And I love that, you know, you shouldn't let things stop you that sort of maybe your lifestyle doesn't embrace or whatever. So I love that idea of um, not only getting from your brain onto a piece of paper, the things that you're thinking, but I love that you also talked about rituals, you know, like having a ritual in the morning, a healthy ritual to kind of start your day and get you in that positive mindset. So what is the one thing you do each morning that helps you set up your day for success? I have to stretch every morning. I know it seems so simple. Um, I, I, I almost word vomited that to you. It's so important <laughs> to me. I was like oh, this. And it's something that even if I don't do my journaling in the morning, even if I was bad and I started looking at my phone right away, you know, which I really try not to do before bed and waking up in the morning. Um, I make sure that I stretch in the morning because um, I'm someone that also suffered with a, a herniated disc in my lower back. And that stopped me from really trying to improve my health in other ways. So, and after I'm done stretching, I always feel so much better. I'm like, oh my goodness. And I think a lot of people hold tension in their bodies, not just from working out or lack thereof, but even emotional tension. I think that was something that I definitely did just from holding on to stress and holding on to maybe other emotions that weren't serving me at a certain time. And once I started implementing a non-negotiable daily stretch routine, I think anything that's going to get you in your body in the morning is amazing. It does not need to be a crazy hit workout. Right. If that's something that you're into, then that's great. I don't do that that often. Um, even as someone who works out regu relatively regularly, but even just that simple stretching, I'm, I, I'm always surprised that even though I am more flexible now, that how every morning I still wake up with so much tension. And if you go throughout your day with that physical tension, I mean, imagine what other tension it's going to cause even emotionally. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, here at Skin Authority, you know, we all have standing desks. We all have us. I mean, it's amazing to see what just moving your body does uh, to tension release, but also mentally just sometimes changing your geography, even if it's moving from point A to point B, especially for all of us working from home or those people that are teaching their kids from home, you know, that ability to just change the geography in your home or it just puts you in a, the physicality of it puts you in a different mindset, doesn't it? Sure. No, most definitely. I, I mean, I literally, I do any type of like 
on camera interviews like this in this corner of my apartment. And then when I'm doing other types of work, I do it in another corner of my apartment. And it, it seems kind of silly, but it, I think it's helped me be more productive and also just be more present, you know, on an interview kind of like this, rather yeah. than if I did it in the spot where I always edit videos and I reach out to clients via email, then I would probably, you know, be looking at the computer, my desktop computer dinging with notifications and, and thinking about that rather than thinking about this and being fully present. So I think it helps in a lot of other ways too. Well, and I also think there's a lot to nesting, right? Like, you know, if you're working out of your bed all day and then you sleep in it at night, you know, there's, there's really no place for you to sort of have your nest or the place that separates you from that work or that phone or that commitment that you have. So I think that idea of giving yourself little breaks that interrupt that brain flow is so important. So one thing I'd love, because our time always goes so quickly, tell me a little bit or talk a little bit about your dream interpretation course, what you're doing with that, how people, because it's such an amazing and fascinating thing that you do and how people could take advantage of that. Sure. So I'm super excited. Um, at the end of March, I'm actually going um, to a, a small business owner female retreat in Puerto Rico. And I'm super excited about it. Uh, a friend of mine that I met via social media, again, be social on social media, people. It's trust me, so many opportunities have come to me just from that. And I was lucky enough to be invited to this retreat where my grandfather's originally from. So I have a lot of personal attachment to Puerto Rico. We used to go to Puerto Rico almost every year, every other year as a kid to visit family. And I guess because of the pandemic and just because of me moving all over the country um, for so long, I realized I was like, wait, I haven't been to Puerto Rico in almost set, in over seven years. And that was a, an easy trip for us. You know, it's not too far away from the New York area. It's like a three hour flight and we have family there. So we always had a place to stay. And so I decided that especially because my grandfather was such a big part of me wanting to get into dream interpretation that I want to film the course there. That's so great. yeah, I'm super excited. And I, I'm just super excited to go to Puerto Rico because I haven't gone oh, in yeah. so long. And it's a great place for anybody that has questions on Puerto Rico, let me know because I've been so often, but it's been a while. And so with the dream interpretation course, really what I want to help people do, and it's kind of the basis and the core of all of my programs is you are not coming to the course, bringing me all of your dreams and me interpreting it for you. I actually, what I teach a lot of people is how to interpret their own dreams. Maybe I can help them out with some navigational questions in the beginning. The majority of the work that I do for people is just to get them to remember their dreams. A lot of people forget them or people assume that they don't dream just because they haven't dreamed in a long time or they haven't remembered it. If you have a beating heart, you dream. Trust me. So that is something that I'm, I'm like, oh, if you want just a way to talk to your unconscious mind, this is the way. And uh, something that I explain through Carl Jung's work is that if you look at the psyche as one entity, 1% of your psyche is conscious, is your consciousness, you know, what you're actively thinking about, um, how you see yourself, how you see others and things that you're actively thinking about. 
10% of the psyche is your subconscious. So, you know, a lot of uh, coaching and therapy kind of taps into the subconscious. Your subconscious, pretty much anything that's in your psyche that you can bring into your conscious awareness. Maybe you're not thinking about it right now. Like if I told everybody to think of their favorite memory and you're like, okay, think about, oh, my favorite memory. Oh, that one time I went to the beach in Puerto Rico with my grandfather. Oh, okay. I wasn't actively thinking about my favorite memory 10 minutes ago, but because I kind of put out that prompt, now I was able to take something from my subconscious mind, which is that memory and bring it into consciousness and share that with you all. And then 90% of your psyche is unconscious. So imagine how much work we can do to improve our lifestyles if we start tapping into our unconscious mind, seeing what our un unconscious mind is trying to tell us. And that is pretty much what dreams are. Dreams are the unconscious mind speaking to you. So that's what I try to teach people first, try to get them to remember their dreams. And I do a bunch of different things um, and practices to get them to record them well. And then after that, I get them to understand what different parts of their dreams, what symbols equal certain beliefs for them. So that's why I want to teach other people how to interpret their own dreams, because it can be very easy. I tell everyone all the time, be very careful with working with dream interpreters, because it can be very easy for a dream interpreter to push their unconscious bias on you rather than you being able to tap into your own unconscious mind. So for, so for example, just quickly, um, if I saw, I see my grandfather in my dreams sometimes. And usually when I see my grandfather, uh, I had a great relationship with him. So to me, my grandfather is a symbol of, he, he was non-judgmental. He was very easy to talk to. He was very open. He was somebody I could count on. So he represents all of those things to me. Therefore, he's representing those things to me in my dream. But someone else might have had an awful relationship with their grandfather. So if they see their grandfather in their dream, that doesn't mean that it means the same thing. They might not have all of those nice feelings that I have towards my grandfather when they see their grandfather. They're like, you know what? My grandfather was an alcoholic and he used to throw beer bottles at me. And, you know, so if you associate your grandfather with that, it is good to know that and understand that because your unconscious mind is trying to bring that part of you into awareness. I agree. And one interesting thing, um, just when you think about just bringing this all around, you know, we talked at the very beginning just about how important it is to just become conscious, kind of get things into your realization, you know, to know what you really want. But I love that you help people sort of bring all of those aspects together, you know, around the goals that you have and that each individual has. And I love what you're saying about developing your own skill set so that you're able, your skills help you on a daily basis realize your dreams. So I love that. So with just a few minutes left, I'd love to just do our burning question round. Sure. So I'd love to just ask, you know, what is a typical day in the life of Gabby like outside of what we're doing today? Sure. Well, of course, got to start with stretching, like I said before. Yeah, number one. Yeah. And number one, and oh my goodness, every day it really is so different. But 
I'd say now as a business owner, the majority of my time is spent uh, managing different projects and production. So I try to stretch in the morning. I try to move my body naturally. Um, I didn't go on a walk this morning, but I definitely want to go on a walk later today. Um, that's something that I try to do in the morning, but sometimes there's, I already see my emails dinging and I'm like, okay, let's get on. Let's try to get to work. But a lot of the things that I'm working on right now, even with my media production are more project management based. So me, finding the studio where we're going to record maybe a commercial for a certain brand, finding the talent, finding if I need another set of hands as far as videography or photography goes, finding a production assistant or another videographer. Um, so kind of coordinating all that stuff. Uh, that's mainly the things that I focus on. And then in between, I have my one-on-one -on -one sessions with different life pivot clients. And whenever I say, I've actually split up my week where Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, I'm working on different things with my uh, production company. And then I might have a life pivot session here and there. And then I leave my Mondays and Fridays completely dedicated to the life pivot, whether it's organizing more of the information for the dream interpretation course that I'm going to be recording um, at the end of March or reaching out to someone else who was interested in um, in one of my programs or doing a an Instagram live with a specialist of some sort you know of I interviewed a lot of people in the health space before um, and now this month I'm going to be interviewing some people um, related to wealth and money mindset so I actually have to split up my week to focus on different things because if I tried to focus on all of it in one day, uh, my brain would just be a jumbled up mess. <laughs> but I love that you have your bookends, you know, your Monday and Friday sort of with your pivot lives. That's that's awesome. Um, yeah. Brunch or lunch? Oh, I love brunch. Brunch is so breakfast food. I find myself sometimes having breakfast for dinner. Oh, I'm there. Sign me up every yep. time. Fav <laughs> Definitely your favorite brunch. book? Oh, my favorite book. Oh, my goodness. I have so many. Uh, right now, just because I've probably reread it so many times, is The Four Agreements by Don Miguel Ruiz. Oh, I love that. Yep. It's it's a great book. I know in the self-development space, it's like a go-to for so many people. But and it's the... a great thing. I mean, I've shared it with staff members and just, you know, it's just a great, it, there's no one who can't benefit from that book. And it's short and simple, too. That's why I think I've reread it so many times is yeah. because I'm like, oh, thank you, Don Miguel, for making this so much easier. Um, because again, it's a good book, I think, to help people kind of find, okay, this is a common fear. He shows common fears that people go through. But if you remember these four things, this can really help guide you and just make your life more enjoyable and less stressful. Absolutely. TV or podcast? Oh, I'm a TV. I love podcasts. Obviously, I'm here on a podcast. Um, and I do listen to quite a few of them. But I'm a TV person. I grew up with TV. I always wanted to be a TV reporter. I still work on some TV segments now, not not in front of the camera as much, but behind the scenes. Um, I think TV obviously is changing or or needs to change to kind of keep up with, you know, the modern technology and things that are going on. Uh, but that was a part of a lot of the jobs that I was working on before was not just being a TV reporter and getting things on the broadcast, but also focusing on how can we experiment and get these 
these different ways of storytelling onto digital platforms or even just to make them more fun and not, you know, typical stiff TV reporter, hard news all the time. So, but I, I think still my heart lies with TV. So what's your favorite show? Oh, my favorite. I know my favorite TV show. Nothing has beat it yet is Breaking Bad. I love that show. Oh, give me a good drug lord show. And I, I love Narcos. I love all those types of shows, probably because it is so far removed from anything that's part of my life. But I just love the adrenaline rush. I love, I also, I think that criminals are surprisingly some of the smartest people in the world. And even though this was a Breaking Bad as a fictional character, um, I know with Narcos, they were all based off of real people. And after watching those two, I, I love shows that represent well what actually happened in real life, because I'm a firm believer that truth is stranger than fiction. So I completely some, agree with you. Yeah. And I don't know. It will be tough to ever top Breaking Bad. I do have a little side thing before we head off, too. But it is funny to see that Brian... Cranston and Aaron Paul started a mezcal company and I got to go to a private tasting with them and they are two of the funniest people. I mean, it's clear that they developed an intimate friendship over the years and they said they kept trying to find a project to work on together, but there was no script as good as what they had with Breaking Bad. So instead they said, let's screw that. We're never going to find a project as exciting. So let's go to Mexico and figure out how to really create a whole new type of mezcal. And it's called Dos Hombres. But, um, and I don't get any money for this. I don't get any feedback, but. (laughs) They're not sponsoring this. (laughs) But I I love the story and they are hilarious. And if you get a chance to download any of the things they've done together, it's it's really fun. So. Or I got to try the tequila too. The mezcal. So it's really good. It's super smooth, super good. Yeah. Um, And healthy if done in moderation. But I think the biggest thing I'd love for you to share with everyone, because you've been so generous with your time. I've learned a lot today. I'm super excited. I can't wait. I would love to participate in your your dream uh, workshop that's coming up. But how can people get in touch with you? How can we follow you? Sure. Well, um, I'm very responsive on DMs on Instagram. So you could follow me at the Gabriella Million. But if you want to see, which is just V-T-H-E and my first and last name, um, if you want to see more stuff related to the life of it, um, I have an account for the life pivot as well, just at the dot life dot pivot. Um, and you can find and you'll see it in my bio as well. If you just want to click on there, it's easier um, at the Gabriella Million. Um, but if you go to my website, if you're more interested in media production stuff, then visioninfocus.media is my media production website. But Instagram DMs, I think if you want to get a hold of me at the Gabriella Million is the best place. Well, we're super excited. And you'll be able to find all of her information at the Bearskin with Celeste podcast site. So thank you so much for your time today. I've so enjoyed getting to know you. Keep up the good fight. And uh, we look forward to seeing you in for All of you tuning in, thank you so much for joining us today. Remember to do good and be good. See you soon. Thank you.